Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. This is the second part of a two-part interview with John Warren, Vice President and General Counsel of the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, who shares information about the growing global trend of internal fraud. In the second installment, Warren builds on his discussion in part one of the series, where he talks about the measures and controls financial institutions, government agencies, and hospitals should put in place to limit their fraud vulnerability. Here is John Warren. Unfortunately, just about every business is at some level of risk for occupational fraud. Now, you're going to have to go all the way down to stealing supplies. When we looked at this, we're only looking at victim organizations that have been defrauded already. So we don't necessarily, in this study, have a control group of non-defrauded organizations to compare against. There isn't any one common characteristic that if you just had X control or why kind of training, you just wouldn't have fraud. Every organization is at risk. One of the things we like to say is that there are two kinds of organizations, those who have been defrauded and those who are going to be defrauded, because what you really want to focus on are what are you doing to prevent it? Are you, are you proactive in preventing it? Are you creating what we call the perception of detection to let employees know you're looking for this conduct? And that'll minimize your risk. You're never going to eliminate it, but you want to minimize it. And then the second thing, and, and what we really take from the report that's interesting is, okay, once it's happened, assuming it's going to happen at some point, who's doing the best job of limiting their losses? And one of the things in the report we did is we looked at 15 different types of internal controls, and we said just a simple test. We looked at organizations that had the control and those that didn't, and what was the difference in losses. Organizations that had hotlines, tended to have almost a 60% reduction in their losses due to occupational fraud. And that goes back to what we consistently find is that tips are the number one way to detect these crimes. The other things that scored really high from the control perspective were employee support programs, fraud training for employees and managers, uh, surprise audits are a real key because these are not career criminals. They're law-abiding citizens. They don't think of themselves as criminals, if you reinforce in their minds the idea that our organization looks for this, if you try it, we will catch it and you will be punished, that has a really strong deterrent effect on employees. If you say, we're going to do surprise audits, you're not going to know when they're going to happen, but we will routinely do surprise audits of different functions looking for fraud, that creates this perception in your staff that they, they will be caught if they do it, and you'll probably see your fraud risk go down. When we talk about internal or occupational fraud, it really can be the most devastating kind of fraud across numerous levels. Absolutely. When you really think about it, by and large, the biggest threat probably comes from an organization's employees. Those employees have the most direct access to your assets and have the greatest knowledge about how the organization works and so are in the best position to steal. Now, obviously, most of your employees are never going to steal and never going to think about committing fraud, but it really only takes one or two to do serious damage, and it can have serious impact on morale. I mean, we see case after case where employees knew about a manager or a co-worker who was stealing, who was committing fraud, and were afraid to report it, didn't know how to report it. They begin, you know, you, you begin to see this happening, and it just makes your place of business a miserable place to work. But you see company after company after company that goes out of business because of this. Tons of small businesses every year go out of business related in some 
respect to fraud. Talking about $150,000, $200,000 fraud in a small business, that can be the kind of thing that, that, that can kill a company. What are some of the top electronic threats that you see? The main thing is the computer is more of a tool to commit fraud than it is a, a new fraud mechanism. Most of the schemes that you'll see committed electronically are the same schemes that were committed by you know, pen and paper 30, 40 years ago. The difference is the computer makes it so much more efficient and gives you the ability to, to do it on a much wider scale. And in terms of new threats, I mean, the one thing obviously stands out is the identity theft and data breaches. I mean, you mentioned the, uh, the Heartland case uh, earlier, and, and that's a perfect example, and especially for financial institutions. I mean, the loss of customer data, you know, credit card numbers, social security numbers, account numbers, whatever, that's an enormous threat for any financial institution. And the, uh, the computer age puts those assets at risk in a way they never really were before. What the computer does is gives the fraudster the ability to be more efficient and aggressive in, in how they target assets. In other words, you can sit at a desk somewhere in Eastern Europe and be hacking into bank accounts you know, half a world away. You couldn't really do that before the Internet age. So, so that's the big difference, I think. Now the people trying to prevent and detect fraud are probably face about as challenging an environment as they ever have. Finally, in closing, I wanted to ask about fraud issues that are specific to the industries of banking, healthcare, and government. And what are some of the specific messages that you need to get out to these groups? Well, banking obviously is, I mean, we've seen a lot um, in the news recently about um, the banking industry in terms of uh, mortgage loan fraud, things like that. Obviously, that's a, that's a huge issue. Uh, we also see simple straight theft from, from bank vaults and, you know, power theft and financial statement fraud. It really runs the gamut, but what's, what's probably most particular to that industry is uh, the loan fraud and corruption that goes with it. Uh, where fraud is really difficult to detect and prevent is when you've got collusion between an insider and an outsider, because one of the things we look for for controls is uh, verifying documents provided by third parties against those provided by our insiders to, to confirm that this is a good loan or that property exists or that appraisal is accurate or whatever. The banking industry, it's always going to be a target because there's so much money flowing through there and again, frauds are crimes of opportunity. Healthcare, uh, that's been a hot spot of fraudulent activity for years. You know, everything from padded or fake healthcare procedures to, you know, overcharging, upcoding. I would expect, though, that, and, and what I've read is that that is expected to increase in the coming years. I mean, obviously, with the new healthcare legislation, we're going to see uh, this probably become a, an even bigger portion of the U.S. economy, and, and again, where there's money, there's going to be fraud, so you're going to see... Uh, probably big increases in health care. Government, of course, also is always a, a target just because it, it's such a large sector of the economy. In terms of what to do about it, I mean, I really think it gets back to what we've talked about before, is you need to train your employees and managers to recognize it. Your fraud staff or your audit staff needs to have specific fraud training. It's, fraud is a different creature than your typical accounting transaction. 
there has to be specific anti-fraud training. The clinching evidence is just as likely to come from an interview with a witness as it is from seeing something on a financial statement. Think about fraud risk assessment, fraud training, and doing everything you can to facilitate tips and, and information from your insiders. That's the best way to, to limit your exposure. Thanks again, John. I appreciate your time. I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, signing off with John Warren, Vice President and General Counsel of the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners.